morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today, when you're sitting down and listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Hey, I'm Ali Amagasu, and I am pleased to introduce today's guest. Her name is Becca Harat Weigel. And uh, I, before I go into asking you any questions, Becca, I want to uh, let my co-host Pete take a minute because he's actually the one who thought we should have you on the show. And he's got um, some interesting perspective about why it's important to have you on the show. So first off, welcome, pleased to meet you. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Great. Pete, tell us, tell me, or tell the audience why you uh, why you thought it would be yeah. interesting for us to talk to Becca today. Yeah, well, so this, this goes back to me to the AWS reInvent keynote, uh, Werner's second day of keynotes uh, in 2017 where usually they have, you know, they bring out engineers to talk about different things. And without really drawing attention to it, in 2017, they were all women. It was Nora Jones from Netflix who came out and did a talk about uh, chaos engineering. It was Claire Liguori from AWS and Abby Fuller uh, at AWS who came out and had different talks. And I, I, I feel like an idiot because it, it took seeing that to make me realize uh, that once I started following them that uh, uh, unusual, unusually high percentage of the people I was following on Twitter were cis white dudes and that I wasn't doing as good a job of really trying to expose myself to the diversity that this industry really needs and tends to shy away from. And as I, I started to follow, you know, more and more people that don't look and sound like me, I, I got a lot more exposure to not just the issues that other people go through when they don't fit the mold, you know, the grizzled old white dude veteran like I am, but, th but that there were a lot of positive stories there as well. And I think my favorite of the positive stories is this moms can code kind of movement. And that's how I stumbled upon Becca, who's been very transparent about what her journey has been in that. And I thought, you know, instead of having somebody to come on and, and talk about, you know, cutting edge tech stuff that they've been, you know, sealed in a lab for the last three years trying to figure out. I thought it would be interesting to have somebody on and who's brand new to the industry and what is that like learning curve-wise, both both the technology and the culture and, and like why would you even do it in the first place coming from another career? And it, those, those are kinds of conversations we don't have so that we can sort of live a day in the life of somebody who's coming from this newly. So, so that's why I wanted to have Becca on. Cool. Well, thank you so much for the for the recommendation. I think it's great. And and Becca, we're gonna let you talk sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can tell why we like to host a podcast. We are yappy, yappy one and yappy two. Uh, so why don't we start from the beginning? What provoked you to do this? What made you? I mean, it's an awesome thing. Uh, there's a shortage of people that code, as I'm sure you know. And it seems like moms would be a good resource to tap. There's many resources we could be tapping. But what made you say? I want to go in this direction. Were you leaving a different career or had you just stepped out of the career cycle for a while to be a mom? How'd you get here? Yeah. Um, so it's, this is probably a story that no one else will ever tell. So it's pretty unique to me, but <laughs> while I was giving birth to my fourth child, two of my organs ruptured and the hospital doctors told me, Hey, it's normal symptoms that you're having. Just go home and you'll be fine. Um, that didn't happen and I had surgery about a month later, which left me with anxiety and depression and PTSD and just kind of, I was in this place in my life where I thought, I 
I cannot go back to where I was before. I had been an adjunct English professor for 10 years. Um, I had no plans prior to that of changing my career. I enjoyed what I was doing. I loved literature. I loved um, being around the students. But um, I was just kind of stuck both in my academic life because being an adjunct, you don't get to move on. You don't move up. I hadn't had a pay raise ever. Um, and, and then my brain was stuck. So I was constantly re-envisioning and re-seeing everything that I had gone through with the trauma. And it had taken over my entire life. I was never present to anyone in that entire year after it happened. But my husband, who is a second career developer, said, hey, you should really try coding. And I thought, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I don't have enough on my plate already. Like, I literally feel like I'm losing my mind here. But he kept saying it, like, fine. I'm going to go on free code camp and I'm just going to do some activities and see where I go. And the amazing thing that happened was once I started coding, that trauma stopped cycling through my brain. So for me, it was very therapeutic because I could tap into this new field and this something that was interesting um, and all of the stress and the trauma would stop. And the more I did it, the more that stopped, but also the more I learned that I really enjoyed it and I saw myself with this as my future. I thought, you know, I've been through a lot and, and what more can you do than, than creating things with technology? So it tapped into both this like logical side of my brain and this creative side. And for me, that was exactly what I needed to bring me back to, um, to where I needed to be. Okay, so first off, you probably don't know this, but we used to, at the end of every episode, or at the beginning, depending on how we were feeling, ask how our guests got into IT. And you're correct. No one has ever come with that story before. <laughs> That's the best organ verse story we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> right. Indeed. Also, I just saw a really uh, a tweet. I don't remember who it was. Somebody in the IT community, fairly high profile, had, had put something that says, how to be a good developer, uh, keep learning. Don't be a jerk. And I just yes, thought, yeah, I saw that too. You see that? Yeah, I thought, and I thought, how good for you? I mean, that you're, you've decided you're learning. Of course, it blocked out some of the brain real estate that was cycling through trauma, yeah. right? That that totally makes sense. But also, it's just great because I think a lot of people get stuck, right? Our jobs get easy to do. We just keep knocking out what we know, um, and you're, you know, forming new, forging new neural pathways, and probably offsetting Alzheimer's by about twenty years. But <laughs> <laughs> that runs in your family. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was at a JavaScript conference in Hawaii in February and I was talking to someone about this whole experience and I said, you know, if I could go back, I would not change anything that's happened to me. And that's a difficult thing. It took a lot of therapy to get there. <laughs> but um, because the point is where I am, I'm very happy where I am. One of the greatest parts of coming into tech is finding this amazing community. So, you know, I found Moms Can Code early on. Their founder lives about 40 minutes from me. And just to have someone invested in my future and who I was and to say like, hey, come join our community. It doesn't matter if you've only done 10 lessons on free code camp and then also to find um, a couple other groups that have been instrumental. I found Flatiron School, which is the boot camp that I'm finishing up now. And that's been an amazing experience. And um, the Code Newbie 
group on Twitter and, and beyond has also uh, paved this really nice way for people new to the industry to come in and to feel comfortable doing that. You're, you're allowed, they give you permission to feel vulnerable. And I think in many circumstances, you, you don't get that. That's something very special and that, that really helped me to get to where I am. Yeah, I can see how that would be the case. Now, what is Moms Can Code? Is it, is it really kind of a support group where you guys share what you're up to? Is it a structured learning environment? What is it? Yeah, so Mom can, Moms Can Code has changed a lot over the last couple years. And when I first joined, it was moms who were any at any point in their tech journey. And so we were supporting each other as this global co-learning co community. You know, we're, we're being cheerleaders, but we're also providing resources. Um, and now they've kind of, um, they're not Moms Can Code anymore. They're Moms Can and Co. Um, but they have a coding boot camp that is structured for moms moms um, to allow moms to to bring everything that is motherhood to the table while also learning to code. Um, but there's still this great support network there with Moms Can Code and finding other people who have, have gone through these things or, you know, have resources for for you at any stage of the journey. Interesting. So if, if that's not where you've done the learning, where is it that you've done most of your learning? Flatiron School uh, Boot Camp is, I'm, I actually just finished my final project for them. And I found them through Moms Can Code because they had offered a scholarship through the organization, which I did not get. <laughs> I was super <laughs> bummed about it. And I kept thinking, you know, I worked through their free boot camp prep and it was so good. And it, um, I had done a couple of other online programs and they just didn't, speak to my learning style like Flatiron School did. And so their vision for the school and, and having the students focus on reading through the curriculum to mock that idea of like, as a developer, you're gonna be reading through documents. You're not gonna be watching video after video, you know? Um, and so for me, it was really engaging, but also they have this great support community and the people online in their Slack group or in their study groups are always trying to help each other. and. One of my best experiences there was I was working on this project and I was stuck and I, I couldn't get it. And somebody who had already graduated and had a full-time job saw me post about it on Slack. And he said, hey, um, I can help you work through this. I'm not exactly sure, but let's do it. And so for two hours on a Saturday, he spent time over Zoom trying to help me work through this problem. And so for me, like those great support networks and that mentorship has meant so much in creating what I consider a successful journey. How cool. Hey, Pete, I'm hogging up the questions. Go ahead and no, jump in there. No, that's okay. No, that's, that's all very cool. I, I wanted to see, I mean, th there's very much this, this culture in the industry about this kind of one-upsmanship of who knows what and who doesn't. I, I know early in my career, the, the hardest thing to, to say out loud, like in a tech conversation is, I don't know, right? Because mm -hmm. that because some people see that as admitting admitting weakness, but here you're you're telling this story like this two hour Zoom session that here here's someone that did the opposite that was that it gave you a scenario where it's it's okay if you don't know and I'm going to help you overcome that learning curve. What I guess my question is so what what mix of that are you seeing as someone who's coming to this brand new? 
I think it's a really great time to be coming into tech because you see so many people who are addressing that exact question. And I, I saw somebody tweeted yesterday or the day before that they spent exactly 10 minutes writing code and two hours debugging code. And I thought, you know, I wish I would have known that early on because very early in my journey, I just kept thinking, I, I'm not cut out to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I've been debugging this for hours. What is wrong with me? Why can't I get it? And now after I've been doing this for about a year and a half, I realized, okay, this is part of the process. You're just doing that detective work and sometimes it gets easier, but that's a, you have to be in that constant state of growing. And you have to also love that idea of, I'm going to continue to learn, I'm gonna to continue to grow and continue to ask because otherwise you're, you're really gonna be stuck in your position. And so I, I love the idea that there are so many developers out there now who are willing to mentor other younger developers, um, are willing to do pair programming sessions, uh, are willing to answer questions without making you feel like you're really not cut out to be doing this. So I see there's still some of that negativity, but there is this massive movement of positivity uh, coming into the world that I'm just happy to be riding that wave in. That's great. Yeah, I'm, it, 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 it makes makes me smile to hear you say that because it, it certainly not everybody experiences that. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think there's this wave, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, April does the, there's the compassionate coding like yes. that, like that's a thing now that it mm -hmm. didn't used to be, like I said, it used to, it used to be, if you didn't know something that was used as a weapon against you. And now I'm, I'm happy to see somebody who's coming into it for the first time is, is not experiencing that because like we've talked about, right. It's, it's not like in the next 10 years, we're not going to write less software than we wrote in the last 10 years. And if we're going to yeah. achieve that as a community, you need more people like you and to make it more attractive to get into this. Not, it's, it's not a zero sum game. There's plenty, there's plenty of work to be done here with all this. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, I think um, one of the, the greatest things uh, and one of the reasons why I can see this moving in a positive direction, I, there was recently, I was I wanted to apply for this job um, with this screenwriter uh, and it was just like a dream job because I, I follow his podcast for like the last five years and, but they were using a technology that I hadn't worked with. So I tweeted like, what is the learning curve for this particular technology? And some um, man on Twitter said, do you need to learn how to use a mouse and a keyboard too? Like, awesome. Yeah, great. Thanks wow. for making me feel so good. Yeah, but of course the, that was a man that said that. So yeah. The good thing about it was there were a number of people that jumped to my defense and said, you know what, you just, that's inappropriate. You need to back off or some other strongly worded phrases there. And I thought, you know, it, it's great to have those people behind you that are are willing to call out those, I don't know what they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, good, I'm, I'm glad that's, that's been your experience. Let me let me sort of double click on, on your learning curve a little bit here. So mm -hmm. when you started with some of that free stuff, so what, what, what language was that? What kind of constructs were you getting into? And then how did that change when you got into to some of the fee-based uh, learning that you did? 
Yeah. So I started with free code camp and I started with JavaScript and it JavaScript <laughs> has giving me has given me a lot of problems um, throughout my entire journey. But I felt like I, I could understand the HTML and the CSS and JavaScript for a little while, but then I would always hit this wall. And so when I hit that wall with free code camp, I um, had started the free boot camp prep with Flatiron School. And so they do both Ruby and JavaScript. And I found that Ruby for me was really accessible and it was a really like nice and gentle way to come into coding. Sure. Uh, I really enjoyed it and felt like it was logical and I understood it. So, so that was most of my beginning was with Ruby and Rails, um, which was nice and gentle. And then I, I got back into JavaScript that still um, was a little bit jarring, but I pushed through to React. And I really have enjoyed working with React over the last couple of months. It makes more sense to me than vanilla JavaScript, although, you know, I know that that we're working with JavaScript to, still, but um, there was just the components breaking things down helped my brain kind of wrap itself around what JavaScript is doing. How long how long did you get on the JavaScript journey before you learned the phrase callback hell? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, but I feel like I, I should have learned that really quickly. Yeah, that's, I mean, the thing with JavaScript is, as it sounds like you experience, I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous and there's some cool things, especially in the back end that like NPM can provide you and lots of code that other people have written, but man, that async stuff just, it's, 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 it's like the mind bending stuff that you, you have to do when you're watching a time travel movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute, did that make sense because of when this other thing happened and, and all that crazy stuff. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, so, so would you, so it sounds like you've been doing some React and you've been doing some Rails. And, and so are, are those the, the kinds of things that, that you're into and applying for jobs for now are related to, to React and Rails or have you found you need to expand into other things as well? No, I'm really happy with Rails and React. I think this summer I'm gonna try to work on React Native some. Um, but I, I think that both of those provide a really solid basis for where I want to go. And, and for me, it's about looking for a company that has a good mission, that's doing something, working for good. And then, then I can go from there. If they say, hey, learn Python, then I'll learn Python. But I think that as long as you can grasp the basics of a back-end language and a front-end language, that kind of opens everything else for you to recognize patterns and to move on to something else. I completely agree. It's all about once you learn the patterns the first time and you can apply them to to others. I can only imagine that that part is, is similar to speaking languages. I only speak English and it's debatable how well I speak it. So I was gonna my, say, it's just, it's just like it though, right? If you know one romance language, if you know Spanish, yeah. You can get about half of Italian and a, you know a significant part of French and a little bit of Portuguese. It's you know so very similar. Um, yep. For me, Becca, what I was going to ask is, I guess were you at all hesitant because it, you're an English adjunct English professor, which suggests to me that you spent most of your life getting patted on the head for being good at writing, <laughs> and perhaps not investing as much time in STEM fields. And so did that cause you to hesitate at all? And and I just want to say to everybody else out there, I mean, here's a good example of somebody who clearly that English was her jam. Yeah. And here she is leaping right into coding. 
Yeah, I would say I was very fortunate just as a young person where my parents were always really positive and encouraging. So I never felt like I couldn't do anything as a girl or as a woman. And so for me, it was always math and English. Those were my two favorite subjects. And so to come back to this and to kind of tap into that logic was, uh, I think my brain had been longing for that. But I don't think it's too far of a jump because when you're in the English field, you are deep diving into texts, you're analyzing things, you're trying to find meaning in really obscure um, ways of writing or understanding. And in so many ways, like those are the docs that we read to help us code, to learn yeah. these languages. And you know, when we're writing code, that's it's not that much different than than writing a poem that has to have a form. Like there are certain things that you have to have in order to fulfill that form. And that's the same thing with code too. So I think that there are more parallels than we usually realize. And we get nervous about these things because people say, well, you have to be good at math or you have to enjoy science or it's not creative. And I think that the more people that say those things aren't true, the better, because I think you can come from any background and then bring something amazing and interesting to your code because of that background. Yep, yep, I agree. I agree. So what is the status right now? Are you working full time? Are you working on getting your first full time job? Are you still studying? So I just finished my last project, which was um, a React Redux project with a Rails back end. And so I have my final code review coming up, I think, next week. And then then I'm going to be looking for jobs. But for me, it's a little bit unique because I have four kids at home. So I have nine and a half, seven and a half, four and a half, and two and a half year old. And I'm not looking for full-time work. I'm looking for part-time work. And that's not really easy to come by in the tech field. So I, I'm going to look for a company that has a good mission and hope that I can find a match with them. But if not, I'm I'm okay working on my own, whether that's through um, contract work or the app that I have been working on is to help people who have gone through trauma to create community and to find resources. So I'm also happy just to be building that out. So no matter what, I think that my purpose is found in building something that will hopefully help somebody else. Very cool. Very cool. I like that a lot. Um, you know, the last thing, Becca, that I wanted to ask you about was you, you made an interesting choice here to go through this journey very, very publicly on Twitter. Um, you, you passed 3,000 followers the other day. So congrats for that. Um, and, and that's what, what really drew me to you and it drew me to asking you to, to, to come on today was just how open you've been about like, hey, this doesn't make sense or hey, I just finished this and kind of this this kind of mini community of people you've kind of gathered around you not just to to answer questions but to celebrate accomplishments and not just your own but also other people's and it, was that a conscious choice or were you just kind of already were you already very open on social media anyway so by natural extension this is just sort of where where it all all fell what was that thought process like for you no that's a really great question i don't think i've been asked that before um this was not natural for me at all. So I'm an introvert and I like to keep to myself. And I found that going through trauma, you can't do that. You have to be vulnerable. I mean, there were 
three weeks where I couldn't get off the couch and I had a two-year-old and a newborn baby. So I had to be very clear about what my needs were. And so when I started the tech journey and I started turning to Twitter and seeing like, okay, people are tweeting about this stuff. I'm going to start tweeting to keep myself accountable. And so I had started 100 days of code, which I think I ended up somewhere around the like 430 days straight mark. Um, but it was just really great to see how people were cheering me on. And so in the beginning, you know, those those people cheering me on really helped me move forward. And that's the Dean of Flatiron School was was one of my greatest supporters. And that's another thing that led me to this school because you can do this to keep moving forward. Let me know if you need help. And then when I got to the point in my journey where I felt that I had some understanding and I had confidence and I had some value that I could pass on to others, I thought, you know, this is what I can be doing now. So by showing, look, you can be vulnerable about the things that you don't know how to do, but at the same time be supporting the other people around you, then that helps to create this really positive community where people who probably thought they couldn't do it can say, well, well, maybe I can do it. And, and even if that's just one person, then that's one person that I've helped along in the journey. So I think that it's been a whole process for me and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Nice. Very nice. Well, if, if you manage two kids in diapers while being couch ridden, like, meeting the sprint deadline is not going to be a thing for you at all. Like worrying about that part of it. And I, I would like to think that we could recognize that kind of life experience and how it translates over into, you know, this agile development world that we've all settled on. Yes. Um, so I, I wish you nothing but the best in Thank moving you. forward. And, you know, if you, if you need help from either one of us or anybody else who's gone through these programs, I, I would certainly, um, you know, offer my own assistance. And I'm sure, Ali, you feel the same way. We're pretty easy to find on Twitter for different things. And I think what you're going to find, too, is that, you know, that writing skill is going to come back to be a big, big benefit to you once once you're ready for, like, the next job after that. Because I, I, find, I find that you, you have to have an introvertedness to you in order to to get good at this. But then you have to have some communication skills and some extrovertedness to you in order to then sort of defend your choices or mm -hmm. explain things to other people or make good proposals or so I, I think some of this stuff that you you had in your earlier life is is only going to serve to benefit you sort of once you get get over the the first wave of things so so congrats on all the progress you've made so far and and, and I can't wait to see what happens for you next thank you so much yeah, thank you. Um, before we let you go, I want to come back to um, Moms Who Code or Moms Can Code. You said it's not called Moms Can Code anymore. What's it called? So the organization is Moms Can and Co. So they've kind of branched oh, out and, and Co. they're it. supporting a lot of women who are transitioning from motherhood back into the workforce. So they're, they're really supporting remote work as a viable option for moms and telling the world, look, just because someone's a mom, it doesn't mean that they can't do a remote job. We can do things really well. We're great at multitasking. We're very driven and and we've raised children, which is not exactly easy. So so we can be your problem solvers. No, as anybody who's had kids 
uh, knows. It's actually coming back to work, which is the easier part of, yes. you know, when maternity leaves over and you're like, oh my God, I get to go back to work. <laughs> it's so much easier than raising a child. Um, at least in my case, since I've, I've never stayed home as a mom, I have a kid, I stay home for a few months, I go back to work. Yep. No, and I felt the same way. You know, after I had my kids, I started work back as soon as I could because I needed that normalcy in my life. It felt very comforting to get back to something that was normal. And that's not the same for every mom. But for me, like I, I like that structure and schedule and like, let's accomplish something. Yeah, I do too. And I like the idea just, as I said in the beginning of tapping moms as a potential resource to fill this huge gap we have. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the number of calls I've been on where people have been trying to figure out how are we gonna get enough people to code? We're teaching people in third world countries. We're building, private companies are building, you know, universities to, or partnering with public universities to try to, you know, build a space for people to come and learn. And, and I think moms have been overlooked. So good on you, good yeah. on the Moms Can Code or the Moms Can End Co group. Anybody who's listening to this and is interested, uh, check them out. They're easily located on Twitter. So is Becca. Uh, do you want to hand, uh, tell them your handle, your Twitter handle, so they can find yes. you and follow you? I am at Becca HW, but the spelling's a little different. So it's B-E-K-A-H, another H, and a W. Great. So check it out. Follow her. Hopefully, Becca will see you at some conferences in the future. Maybe even a Cisco Live. Who knows? Yeah. We uh, Pete and I are often at those. And, uh, and we appreciate you being on with us today again. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.